0: Before launching this next season of Upbringing, we'd like to share a handful of favorite podcast episodes we've been interviewed on recently. For the next few weeks, tune in as we connect with inspiring parenting communities about our radical mission to practice powers beyond control when it comes to daily discipline. If you're new to Upbringing, these interviews could help you get to know us better. And if you already are part of the community, the following episodes can help validate the amazing work you're doing. Yeah, and it hasn't been just a joy to explore these topics as much as a necessity. Uh, As privileged white women, we see it as our responsibility to call in others to rise up and dismantle the conventional discipline practices within the home that unwittingly perpetuate paradigms of oppression outside of it. We hope that these conversations can inspire you to stay kind and curious with yourself, as well as to begin some brave conversations within your own communities around these topics. Though many of us may feel really powerless about the world right now, we have an incredible opportunity to raise a different generation simply by the way we treat our kids' bodies, feelings, and voices. We are all in this together, and we're all growing up together, so thank you for being here. Not Your Mother's Podcast is a top-rated show hosted by Sana and Veronica, two mothers who have sought some of the best experts in their field to discuss the unspoken parts of motherhood, giving actionable insights and support that parents can immediately implement in their life. We love chatting with them about our power as parents, why we created the resist approach and the incredible opportunity to raise kids with consent, awareness, and skills. We discuss how upbringing began, the unconscious hypocrisy we discovered when our daughters were toddlers, and how supporting our kids' body awareness and autonomy is a critical aspect to raising the next generation. We also unpack and walk through some specific ways we can honor our kids' inherent freedoms doing with rather than doing to them during daily caregiving challenges. From bath time to diapering to car seats to dressing, we unpack how we can practice and promote the concept of consent. Fun stuff. Yes, we hope you will enjoy our conversation on Not Your Mother's podcast as much as we did. And head on over to notyourmotherspodcast.com to learn more and check out our show notes to get more details on our conversations with Sonnet and Veronica, as well as all of their podcast links. Here we go.
1: We're moms just like you. We did the research, we read the books, we joined the clubs, and the more we learned about motherhood, the more we realized how many things aren't talked about publicly. This podcast is for you if you're looking for answers to match your experience, you ever feel
2: frustrated with mom life and feel like you're doing it wrong, you're looking for your mama tribe that gets you, you feel misunderstood and overwhelmed with people's opinions, or maybe you just want a better understanding of what the heck is going on
1: bottom line is you're not alone. We also know that there's so much information on the internet and it can be overwhelming when you're searching for answers. So we've sought some of the best experts in their field to give you actionable soundbites, insight and support that you can immediately implement into your life. We're here to do it together. Let's get dirty and real and raw. Let's talk about it all. My name is Sonnet. And I'm Veronica. And welcome to Not Your Mother's Podcast.
2: Hannah and Kelty are twins, speakers, and co-hosts of the parenting podcast, Upbringing. Certified coaches in simplicity parenting, positive discipline, and trained in the respectful parenting approach. Rye, Hannah, and Kelty empower parents in over 100 countries to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change, elevating their discipline one conversation at a time. They are co-parenting in captivity on a farm outside of Portland that they share with their partners and kids ages three, four, five, and six.
1: Welcome to the show. Thanks Thank for you. having us. We're you guys are here. like our dream. This is like <laughs> Veronica and I were always like, let's run off and just co-parent together <laughs> uh, with our partners. But sometimes they're allowed, sometimes, sometimes they're you're allowed. Running off. Just- <laughs> for sure.
2: Yeah, let's talk about it. How did you guys get into being these consent advocates? Like,
0: tell us more about your personal life. Oh man, I don't know how far we want to go back, but I think that what we kind of remember naturally very often that Kelty and I never thought we would get into parenting as a career, Mm -hmm. and we never even really identified as as feminists, as like what you would call progressive parents. I think that Kelty came from a design and photography background. I came from a science and research background. We teamed up together as the Weaver House doing branding and photography for small businesses and artists. And then we started families together like right around the same time. We about six months apart with our first daughters. And I think that's when things changed for us. We had no idea that anything was really going to be different. We thought, well, we'll have kids and just keep on going with our regular life. But, you know, I think you guys can attest that's not exactly how it goes when you bring kids into your world. Tell what else? I think that when when our, our daughters became kind of in that kind of like two year age, I'm sure you you both are familiar with the kind of like independence building time when they start testing limits and start saying no and start resisting your agenda and all these lovely things. And you're like, oh, dear God, where is my baby? Where did they go? That was a real changing point and turning point for us where we were just like, okay, I thought we were kind of bumping along here doing the respectful parenting thing. And now our kids are rejecting our loving agendas in every way. Now, what do we do? And I think that it became sort of like a calling to us to up our game a little and to start questioning some of our beliefs and practices and to start building some skills and awareness in it. And it just sort of like took over as our our life mission because it it was our life. Mm -hmm. We were living it and breathing it all day. And it just made sense to continue doing that and start sharing what we were learning. Mm -hmm.
2: Oh, It's so true. It's funny how there's a joke in I think it's Trainwreck, the movie, uh, Amy Schumer's movie, and someone's like, "Your life has not begun until you have children," and it's like, it's it's a joke, but it's like, you no, know, it's true because what you think matters to you maybe matters more or matters differently, and and then you start, you know, what you start learning, and what you, when you start realizing that these little children are looking up at you, and you're the model of what society and this world is all about, you start really questioning, like, what, what is my purpose in life? How am I going to raise this child? And what does it mean? And, you know, and we're women that want to have careers and have our lives of our own. So like, how can we weave the two together? So you're not living these two different lives. So we totally hear you on, on what you guys are up to, which is so exciting. That's why we want to talk to you so much.
1: (laughs) I know it's like, these girls are doing what we're doing in a different way. Like it's so interesting and And that's part of the parenting world is like, you can work together and, and share notes and like, you know, it's just a community of support. Yeah. And we all have these overlaps,
0: you know, everyone has their, their kind of zone of interest and their lens that they bring into the, the puzzle and the process and the practice. And I think for Kilty and me, we realized that there was this kind of strange, unconscious hypocrisy going on in our parenting where we were like, Oh, you know, parenting respectfully, these kids, as Kelty said, were pushing back and really coming into their own. They were resisting us all the time. And I think we realized this was felt so uncomfortable. Why do we always feel so bad about what's going on with their resistance, with our response, you know, with these power struggles we were having, especially around their bodies and around these activities of daily living and our responsibility as parents. And I think we started realizing that it was because we were kind of in some ways the man, the power, the authority in the house. And we were kind of like not really very aware of the power and the privilege that we had as parents. And we weren't really looking at our kids as checking that power and checking that privilege and saying, hey, I'm growing up and I deserve a seat at this table and maybe give me a little more power. You know, Mm. it's not something we do all the
1: time. Right. And it's something that as maybe when we were raised, it was like, be seen and not heard. Like we're not given that power and so we had to fight for it or, you know, when you're older, which, so what would you say in from all of the work that you guys have done in education and how you share with other parents, what is kind of the unsaid and unspoken there? I think that, that, that and, I mean, I think you were just touching on it a little bit, but
0: yeah, I think that the unsaid and unspoken with when it comes to discipline and, and parenting through those most challenging moments with our kids is realizing that we don't just have an incredible amount of privilege or a permission, you know, to like as parents to basically get shit done, to see to our kids needs, to get those diapers changed, to get them in their car seats, to get them dressed to get them fed, to get them clean, all of these things. We have permission to do that automatically, unquestioned permission as parents to do those things. But that there's other, like this other kind of side aspect, side to the coin, which is privilege. And, you know, that's where we say, wow, we have all of these, this permission to do these things based on this responsibility as parents. But wow, there's this whole invisible world of privilege where as we do that, as we enact that responsibility, gosh, we want to do it respectfully if possible. We want to do it collaboratively if possible. We want to do it honoring our kids' bodies and their humanity and their freedoms. And that kind of stuff, just it's not part and parcel of parenting. None of us was trained that way. None of us automatically necessarily thinks of, oh, that's my responsibility as a parent is to honor and respect my child's freedoms. (laughs) We'd never thought of that at all. But I think that was because we were reading a lot of feminist literature and really get kind of getting into our, our progressive lady selves a little bit more that we realized, wow, we're honoring all of these things, bodies, feelings, voices, marginalized communities of ourselves in the workplace. And then we're coming home and telling our kids the exact opposite. You know, we have permission to say, do not speak up to me. Do not question my authority. Do not say no, because I said so and i think that was a, a a big realization for us and that's the thing that kelty and i love talking about that's so unspoken is wow what about our privilege you know mm-hmm. let's acknowledge that and let's use that power that we have as parents a little more sensitively to enact that responsibility we have as their caregiver
1: wow yeah so i guess what does that look like because you do have to get them dressed and you do have to get them in the car and there's all this pushback against that and like recently my child doesn't want to wear her diapers anymore, but she also doesn't want to pee in the potty. And it's like, we can't just go around naked all the time. So how do you do it in a collaborative way, in a respectful way that doesn't take all day? Because actually right now we do have all day to figure it out, my daughter and I, because <laughs> like, we're in the pandemic. So, But like, what if we didn't have that time right now?
0: <laughs> right. Or I mean, I think maybe we have a lot of time, but we don't always have a lot of patience you know, or yeah. we are working a job while we're also chasing a two-year-old around. Yeah, you know, we have privilege as parents, but everyone has different levels of privilege in the situation they're in in the pandemic right now, for sure. And I agree. I think that that that's the the beautiful like million-dollar question is okay. But we, how? But how <laughs> we have <these laughs> values. Okay, we've got these intentions now. We want to be more respectful about our kids' uh, bodies and choices and and bringing them into that conversation. But how do we do that? But it is a conversation. I think that that's what Kelty and I talk about a lot and saying, gosh, we were all trained as parents to have this one-way conversation. We have all the answers. We know all the things. Our saying you know, goes, so we just tell them what to do. And that's where all the resistance comes up. So I think mm-hmm. we're all training ourselves and reprogramming our neural circuitry to think, wow, wait a second. Okay, how would I go through a power struggle or an issue at work? How would I go through a power struggle or an issue with my friend? or with a neighbor we would have a conversation right we wouldn't use our power to dominate another person we would have a conversation with them and i think that that just speaks to the fact that most of us don't even believe kids can participate in a conversation or that a conversation would necessarily work but it really does yeah
2: right oh my gosh i am so happy you said that because right now i was just thinking like well when is it age appropriate and it's like well they're already alive so it's like now right it's like you have the conversation now even if they can't converse in the way that you that they will later but they can I think they say like they before one or at one they understand like 50% of what you're saying and at two they understand like 100% of what you're saying but you know they might not be able to talk back the way that you that they will eventually but they understand what you're saying so it's like and they also read your body language and and they can feel they can feel what you're what you're saying
0: right yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's it's never too soon to begin these conversations with our kids, even with our babies, thinking about consent, asking them to lift their legs when you're putting the diaper on, walking through what you're doing as you're doing it. I think a lot of people think they're not really paying attention to me unless we're laughing and engaging together. Otherwise, I can just have my ear pod in or be going about my business or just do what, what needs being done to the baby. But they're really absorbing all of that. Mm-hmm. And the sooner we're using those words, the sooner they're going to say them, the sooner they're going to understand what we're talking about, the sooner they're going to be putting that understanding into practice with us. Mm-hmm. I think it's never too soon to make it collaborative and to be connecting through, especially those, um, those caregiving moments that can mm-hmm. uh, that are great and lovely when you have a little baby and get more and more challenging as, as our kids build their power. And we have to consider um, that balance of power. Mm-hmm. I think it's based on the fundamental belief, though, that we as parents, do we do to our kids or do we do with our kids? And I think that as, as parents of infants, we're like, well, we're doing to everything. We're mm-hmm. doing their diaper. We're feeding them. We're changing them. We're doing all of that stuff. But then as the kids start building that independence and those skills, we have to start letting go and realizing that this is a with situation. <laughs> this is no longer a to situation. And that every time our kids resist us, they're saying, do this with me. Do this with me. Give me some of my power back. I have personal power. I have these freedoms that I want to be building agency and independence in so help me do that. And that's how what we use our resist approach for. So we have a you know we talk about a lot about the control approach in parenting which we created this silly acronym consequences on my terms now threats rewards overpower and lectures. And that's kind of the the normal kind of approach of parenting that we end up reaching when we lose patience, when we don't want to, you know, push our kids around but then we we just kind of get to that point where we end up feeling like we need to give consequences and do all of that. And the resist approach is kind of the the alternative option. It's using powers beyond control. It's saying gosh, what we do to our kids is what we what they're learning, you know. If we're using our power in a way that's disempowering them, that's what they're learning about power. They're learning that their bodies can be disempowered by somebody, even someone who loves them a lot. You know, they're learning that they could maybe disempower someone else's body. That would be okay someday. Or they mm. know that they can see someone's body being disempowered on the street or on the news, and just think, "Well, that's just how it goes. That's how I was brought up. That's the, all I know." Mm. And so I think so much about this is with that responsibility, with that privilege, with that permission. We we show them power in a different way, and we use powers beyond control. So resist. Our approach stands for respect, empathy think up, innovate, summarize, and trust. And it's kind of this like six part process we move through. It's not like a step by step must do plan, but it's it's basically a, a loose conversation that helps our kids learn these the skill of respect, learn how to empathize, learn how to set boundaries, and communicate and innovate. And it's we're kind of teaching ourselves those same things in the process. Can you share an example conversation of what
2: that sounds like with like yeah. a three year old?
0: what what are you going through?
2: <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> I mean, I just because like, with consent, I mean, my daughter's two and a half. And so I'm, I'm like, Okay, well, am I going to ask her, like, would you like this? Or am I guiding her like, Oh, I'm going to put your shoes on now. And I'm letting her know what's happening. Like when? So I just I just want to hear like an example conversation of like, what this would sound like when you're When it's a you're inviting them to the conversation, but it's not going to be met with a no, and then all of a sudden you're in a power struggle.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that for for an an example that a lot of folks struggle with is their kids resisting getting in the car seat. So I think that you're already thinking, Veronica, being like, okay, how can I invite this child into something that is going to happen to their body? You know, like being strapped into something in a way that they're actually going to want to do it instead of resist it. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. So let's say, I, mean, I think we've all been there before and we all are driving a lot less right now, but I mean, this could be used for a diaper change. This could be used for a kid resisting toothbrushing. Kid resisting nose wiping, a kid resisting medicine or something like that. Anything happening to a kid's body where you're like, oh God, this is going to be tricky or where they are doing all those crazy delay tactics, you know, and it's like Mm -hmm. a struggle. But let's say our kid gets in the car and we both went through this. A lot of folks we coach go through this too, where they, they clearly don't, they're not ready to get in their car seat maybe, or they're messing around in the car. You've got a doctor appointment to take them to, or you've got a babysitter to take them to because you have to be working. So the pressure's on a little bit, right? And so I think that conversation would start with respect. Kel, do you want to go for it? Yeah, I think that the respect step at the beginning and the trust step at the end are are less kind of in the moment things. And they're more about thinking about our approach and our mindset. A lot of the respect step is about questioning our expectations. Like you said, Hannah, in this case, this thing probably has to happen. We got to get from here to here. But oftentimes when our kids resist us and we feel like we need to go into control mode, the respect step helps us be like, but does this have to happen right now? Does this have to happen? Does the whole room have to be clean? Do they have to be dressed from head to toe or is a couple articles of clothing missing? Okay. It's where we kind of question <laughs> a little bit and say like, am I crazy? I'm getting some resistance. Do I want to die on this hill? Okay. How much of this is important, mm-hmm. right? It's also where we think about respecting them as their own human being with their own personal point of view, not necessarily our point of view. It's where we acknowledge where their development is. Their development is usually what they're showing us, mm-hmm. Right. Moving so, around in right. the car a lot. So often we're like, but they're three. They should be able to. And when we start going to should mode in the respect step, we scrap that. And we're just like, they are where they are and we're going to meet them where they are, right? Right. So, we, so, so we've already said, hey, it's time to get in the car seat or whatever it is. And and they're not wanting to get in, Right. Right so then we'd move on to the empathize step where it's like you know in order for kids to want to cooperate they need to be felt they need to feel like they're seen like they're respected like they're understood especially by an attachment figure and so if they're upset especially then we need to calm brains calm bodies before we can move forward together but in in this case in a resistance moment they just need a little bit of connection and they need to be heard and validated so we'd say something like looks like you're wanting to keep climbing around the car or you know, maybe there's crouched down, like playing with some dirt on the floor of the car or something. And you'd be like, Oh my gosh, this dirt, like, what are you doing with it? That's really interesting. So we're, we're showing them that we're side by side. We're listening for however minutes we can handle. So that could be five minutes. That could be literally 30 seconds where we're able to say, I want to connect to you. I want to show you that I'm on your side, that I care about your agenda, your needs, your experience of the world. Yeah. And when, and in a situation where a kid is a little more dysregulated, maybe they're saying, no, I won't get in my car seat or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. That's where we validate and acknowledge what they're saying. Oh, you don't want to get in right now. You're Mm -hmm. not feeling ready. Mm -hmm. Okay. How come? What's going on? Mm -hmm. Not why, what's your problem, but like, (laughs) what's, going on for you. Mm-hmm. And this is the time where this this is an investment that actually pays off, mm-hmm. right? When our kids feel more connected to, they're more likely to do what we want, mm-hmm. right? They're also more likely to understand why they're struggling. Where is this internal resistance coming from? We're helping them name that in the empathize step. We're exploring it side by side with them, right? Mm-hmm. Then we move on to a quick sync up. So, okay. So I've heard where you're coming from. Does that sound about right? You're not ready to get in your car There's seat. Like three popsicles before you get in the car seat is the- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or you're ne- we're never going to grandma's again ever. That's where how you're feeling right now. Okay. Okay, cool. Okay. So I'm going to, I wanted to share the situation for me, which is I've got to work at 10. You know, normally we jump to sync up first. We're like, mm-hmm. dude, it's nine o'clock. We have to go this and this without having heard their, their situation first. So we'll, we, and this is the point where we say, wow, can I tell you why? Can I bring you into, I've listened to yours. so you feel validated now? Can I bring you in and tell you why we need to get in the car seat? And if we bring it in like, not I'm going to tell you why, but can I tell you why? I have this very interesting piece of information and I want to connect you to it so that you can understand, right? And have some buy-in and some, some agency in this. This is a good point too, where when we say sometimes, can I tell you why? All of a sudden, sometimes I realize there is no real reason why <laughs> or that reason why, I wouldn't want to go either. Right? right. So it's a, it's a really good step as a parent to mm-hmm. say, can I tell you why? And then you have to actually think about it yourself mm-hmm. because I, you know, I need to work. That's a legit reason why, mm-hmm. if it's, can I tell you why? Because I need to leave the house because I feel like I'm screaming and I need to get away. Mm-hmm. But, but it helps us connect legit with our mm-hmm. kid about, about the context of their life, with it, which they absolutely right. deserve and to I, be a part of. I agree, Kel, that I think that's often why kids resist so much because they haven't been told why. They don't know why they're being picked up and taken somewhere. They don't know why the diaper change has to happen now instead of 10 minutes. We just don't think we need to involve kids in their lives that way, especially in those early years. And oftentimes just telling them why they're like, oh my gosh, you told me why I'm side-by-side side with you, mom. I get it. We're in on this together. It can go such a long way. And then after we sync up, then we innovate and often they're still like, yeah, no, yes. Yeah, still so not much. getting in there, <laughs> <laughs> then We innovate, right? So these are all skills we're building with our kids. This isn't just to get them to do what we want. Again, we're doing with them. We're building these skills as we're moving through this. So When our kids get older and struggle to like do their homework or show up for class in the morning or go to the gym when they're older or do their taxes, we want them to, you know, be gentle with themselves to understand why they're feeling that way to bring in that reality in the other side without feeling threatened by it. And then we want them to move into problem solving without again, you know, feeling roadblocked, you know, thinking that, wow, we can get through anything. We just need to innovate. So what would help? Like, What, what could we do? Is it that you, you mentioned that you're feeling hot and that's one of the reasons why you don't want to get in. What could we do to help you feel cool? Should I put the car on and we could get the air conditioning going? I can, I can blow it full blast. Mm-hmm. Should we do that? Or do you need a couple more hops? It seems like you're moving your body. Can you hop? from the back seat to the front seat and do a flip twist into your seat. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. This this is where people are listening and they're like, are you kidding me? I cannot go through over and over. So permissive. Mm -hmm. This is so just lying down, catering to them and their little fit and their stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and, and we're here to say that it's absolutely worth it. We can't do it every time, Mm -hmm. but this innovate step is actually an amazing one here. And they'll be like, I'll do a jump flip twist in. And then we go on to the summarize step, which if the, if the resist approach conversation had gone well, would be something like you really didn't want to get into your seat and we figured it out we innovated, we problem solved right into your seat. Thanks for doing that, honey. Now we can get to grandma's a little sooner, or now we can have time for that popsicle on the way or whatever it is. And But if there's still resistance, that's when we have to follow through lovingly by setting a boundary and kind of following through and helping our kid. right? Mm-hmm. I feel like often if we've been tiptoeing through a more control approach into this, by the time we put our kid in the car seat and have to kind of pull the plug and do it. We're probably mad. We're probably mm-hmm. frustrated. We're probably impatient, right? And I think so much of the resist approach for me in getting to that point of having to set a limit lovingly is that I am i haven't been put through the ringer. I haven't been saying, get in your car seat, get in your car seat. You better get in or I'm counting down or all these things that basically just ramp me up and put pressure on my kid. So by the time we get to summarize in the resist approach, I can follow through lovingly and say, you, you're still struggling. Your body keeps wanting to move. Are you really not feeling this this ride? We got to get in here, honey. I'm going to help you, Mm -hmm. right? And so we lovingly wrestle them in. We try to keep a calm face. We nod. We validate all the big feelings we're hearing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're struggling. And we just kind of try to exude a warm, loving presence, right? As opposed to issuing more threats or consequences for what is a very legitimate impulse and outburst to Mm -hmm. resist right right and i think that the follow through the loving follow through that we have in the in the sum up and kind of the summarized step of the resist approach is 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 a spot where i think parents really struggle and we struggle where we feel like okay i'm trying so hard to value and respect my kids bodies you know to i want them to give me consent to put them in the car seat or to get in the car seat themselves and Sometimes that just doesn't happen. And if we have to give them that medicine, if we have to put them in their car seat. And if we've worked our you know, butts off to, to enter into a respectful conversation to make it happen and it's right. still not working. Right, then it's okay. You know, That's back to the parent permission. Then we do have permission to see through as long as we're doing it lovingly. But I think, I know, as you said, Kelty, that we've gone through that whole process of being as respectful and collaborative and connected, and connected as, as possible through it. And then we move into trust, trusting that we have so many opportunities to move through these things with our kids. I mean, whether it's, you know, hugging and kissing a family member, wrestling or being tickled, being put on play equipment, things like that, where they don't necessarily even resist, or if it's in more resistance-based activities, like getting their hair brushed, washing their hair, brushing their teeth, getting socks and shoes on, those types of things. We have so many opportunities to have these conversations with our kids and say, this is your body and your choice but I I have this responsibility. how can we work on this together outside the moment I think yeah that that's part of the, the trust step is saying yeah. we don't have to talk about everything in the moment. We can run through a connective experience through the resist approach but we can circle back later right mm-hmm. We can be like, oh remember this morning we're like cuddled in bed when you were having trouble getting dressed or when you were having uh, we were struggling to get in the car when we needed to go what was going on with that? Sometimes we don't get hmm. answers in the moment. And I think it's so natural for us to be like, why would I bring up that total shit show that happened earlier? <laughs> but actually where so much learning and connection can happen, it's where we can show our kids that, that everything is figure outable, that we're not scared of conflict, especially with the people we love most, that they can always circle back with us about something that they were uncomfortable with, with a friend, with a relative, mm-hmm. with us. I, I love it when my kids call me out and they're like, I wanted to talk about earlier. I feel like you kind of snatched that thing out of my hand. And I'm like, mm-hmm. totally, I totally did that. I'm really sorry. Snap.
2: Yeah. Um, I love that you said that because it, I feel like it could, it just sounds exhausting. Like with everything, you have to like have this whole approach of, you know, this step and this step and this step and this step. But it's like, no, if if you kind of rush through it, there is time to repair the situation afterwards when everything's more calm and you're calm and you're and your kid is more receptive and you know you're not in a rush anymore you know so it's like because there are it's not like you're going to be able to do this perfectly all the time every day but the whole point is to have this conversation have it be a fluid conversation where they're always understanding that they're part of the conversation and it is not just like you're your way or the
0: highway. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that that our our job when we when we're able is to just be even thinking about our approach. That is a huge mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. to think, okay, I'm in I'm in the respect step of the resist approach. I am respecting them as they're themselves. They're great. And then we turn towards our kid and we scream at them. That's great. That's okay. So or maybe we move one step farther. We're able to empathize and be like you really you know, wanted the spoon to be blue and you're really struggling with that right now. And we empathize and then we just can't hold it in any longer. We're like, I can't do this. And we leave mm-hmm. or we send them to their room or whatever it is. Every time we can can take one of these steps we're practicing, right? And that right. we talk about progress over perfection and, and that this is a practice. Sometimes we spend 20 minutes in the innovate step. Sometimes we skip it and pull the plug and have to start over and and, and spend a lot of time in the trust step preparing and circling back and modeling and storytelling. Mm-hmm. And that's okay too. There's no one right way to go about it. And that's why we say we're growing up alongside our kids. Like, <laughs> talk about how they've changed us like i i actually respect people as their own individuals now because of my child you know i actually mm-hmm. love when people are talking and have a point of view because of my child mm-hmm. you know i set a boundary lovingly and know myself when i'm going to hit my limit with my parents now because mm-hmm. of my child you know it's like so many of these things we're working through we're running the resist approach our kids resist us we're resisting these paradigms of control this this idea of who we should be as parents—that we don't have to be—and that's going to mm-hmm. be a lifelong practice, you know.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I really love that you say it's a lifelong practice because you know you're you're learning just as as you go along, and so it's not like you're just going to now that you understand resist, you're going to get it every time, and they're going to respond exactly how you want them to every time. It's it's like a practice, and you're going to start to get to know them, and they're going to get to know you along this journey too, in a in a new way that's kind of opening up. And I know that from our journey here of parenting where I feel really frustrated sometimes like I don't know what the right thing to say is and I'm like trying different approaches while I'm you know like in real time and then later to be able to like revisit it and go over it and figure out like next time what you could do better or how that landed for them is it gives so much permission around the process to the parents too so it doesn't just have to look this perfect way.
2: Well, and also like, I think if parents just remember that you're not going to be a parent to, to a nine-year-old until your child is nine, you're not going to be a parent to a 12-year-old until your child is 12. So you're all, you're continuously learning with them as
0: they're growing older. And mm-hmm. absolutely. That, that's such a good thing to remember. And I think we have to keep remembering too, that this isn't just, again, something we're doing to our kids that we're, we have to get right. This is something we're building with our kids. And they are going to start participating and the momentum is going to start building. It is incredible to see our clients who have started working the resist approach realize how much easier things can get. when you use the control approach for, you know, a four-year-old, if you start using the resist approach, your kid starts using the resist approach on you and their siblings and <laughs> you know other people. It, it's really amazing to start see the, seeing the beautiful momentum that starts happening. It's not like we're using this exhaustive approach and conversation every time. It's not Groundhog Day in the way that the control approach is Groundhog Day in some yeah.
1: ways. I think that's true. right. It all. My daughter the other day, she says to me, she's like. Let's have a conversation about it, Mom. Let's talk about it. I was like, "Oh no! Now what do I say?" <laughs> okay, let's talk about, it. Or was it, was she about just, it. Was she asking for one more minute? <laughs> just one more minute, Mama. Because I, anyway, yeah. So she, they do learn. They learn, and it's you're collaborative. And then you have to learn, you know, how to collaborate with them in real time.
2: Mm-hmm. And so in one or two sentences, what do you want us to take away
0: from this unspoken area of your expertise? I think that as parents, we might be in charge of our kids' bodies, but we don't own them. Our kids' bodies belong to them. And I think the sooner that we can respectfully help our kids attune to their needs and their experiences and have agency over their lives, the sooner they can move into the world independently and joyously and capably advocating not just for their own bodies, but respecting others too.
1: Love it. So I think what we, if we could just dive a little deeper into some of the questions around consent and sex and body awareness, like really getting, I think everything that you shared can be applied to that. But if we can get specific in that, I feel like that's something, you know, we're, we try to teach our children the names of their, their bodies so that they can give them power and give them all of this information. But how do you do it in a way that they can understand when they're younger? And, without putting all of your own fears, like predators and all of that on them. How can we talk about that in a little bit more like a specific way? Mm -hmm. I
0: mean, I think that so often we're like, okay, our parenting job, when we teach our kids about consent, we teach our kids about body stuff, about sex, about all of these things. It has to be like uh, from this external perspective. It needs to be from the outer world, about the outer world, about boys, about classes in school about, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends about all of these types of things. And I think that, I mean, we only have kids up till age six, so those conversations are going to be coming and they're very critical to have, giving our kids books, giving our kids time and just listening to what they have to say, modeling as best we can, our own body love, our own stories, you know, that are age appropriate. But I think what Kelty and I focus on the most is with those younger years and saying, we we are the model that they are going to be understanding their body and how to treat somebody else's body. And so it really is in these caregiving moments. We always bring it back to those. They seem so innocuous because we're their, their attachment figure, their caregiver. We love them, right? But we still have to realize the impact we have by how we treat their bodies. And I love that you brought up, you know, using real names of body parts. That's Mm -hmm. such a great one. I think giving them that authority to, if they want to be naked and it's okay or safe or whatever it is, let them do that. Let them make those choices and attune to what feels best for themselves. Mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of ways too that we... We try to avoid judging and objectifying. So Mm -hmm. we try not to use words like you're so cute or you're so pretty or words like that about their bodies and about how they look make judgments about like, Ooh, this poop is so stinky. So, which is a negative judgment about part of their body process, right? Mm -hmm. Stuff like that. We've learned a lot from an account on Instagram, but they have a website as well called sex positive families that we would highly recommend following. They are really like the guru on how to bring up all of these conversations about consent, about body attunement, about sex, about gender, all all of those amazing topics that are so hard. Yeah. I would say ours are, our expertise is more around the implicit conversations we have through our, caregiving activities for Mm -hmm. sure.
1: Mm -hmm. Love it. Do you guys have a gift for our listeners today? Yes.
0: We are offering up our freedoms model, which we created. Kelty, can you talk? I love how you talk about the freedoms. You do a really good job. (laughs) The, The freedoms are basically like we talked about before in creating that kind of sensitive awareness of our kids' world and how we kind of interact with it, right? The ways that we can over-control it or dominate it, or the ways that we can try to sensitively support, scaffold understanding, have that balance of power as they get older and more independent. We created this list of 10 freedoms, right? Among some of them are free to speak, free to feel, free to know, free to nourish, free to move, free to express. So basically all these realms of their lives that are theirs from the very beginning, but that we have to, at the at the start, hold really delicately and have a lot of control and responsibility over. And as they get older and older, we have to kind of lessen that control. We have to help build those skills around it and we have to keep them all the way through connected to their inner wisdom and authority, right? And that's where the, the, the topic of consent comes into all of these freedoms is that it's theirs. Anything about them is theirs, but we do Mm. have that responsibility, Mm -hmm. which sometimes gives us permission to get in there and help a little bit or, or keep them safe or whatever it is. But we also have that responsibility to think of that power as privilege. And Mm -hmm. how do we negotiate that with them within Mm -hmm. these freedoms? Right. Right. Do we let them choose their own things they want to play with? Or do we tell them how to play with things? You know, do we Move their body for them, or do we choose to kind of let them move their bodies and try walking and crawling and doing that themselves? Do we tell them how much food to eat and which to eat, or do we let them take over that responsibility and attune to themselves earlier? So it's a 10 freedoms that we go into. We give examples of what that looks like and sounds like Mm -hmm. in those realms, and also have that goal and that dream of if we're sensitively supporting this freedom, this particular freedom, what is that helping our child? become as they grow older, because I think it really helps to be like, why are we doing Once this again? again? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it will be helpful to your listeners. It's It's been helpful to us to create it, to just build that awareness as parents, you know, to give reason to that approach of ours that we're working on on the daily.
1: Yeah, that is incredible gift. Wow. I'm so excited to download that and just share it with, you know, like my mother and, other caregivers that are around so that everybody's kind of on the same page too with that. So, thank you so much for running through that I, and your account is just so full of information helping us return the power and trust our children. You know, it's kind of like we want to be trusted and we're trusting them mm-hmm. to also be able to make those decisions and to handle these freedoms. I think a lot of people don't it's like, well, if you don't tell them what to eat, they won't know. Well, it's like they actually have this in tune or innate, you know, let them listen to, to their innate um, skill that they have that's within them. Okay, we're going to take a quick break to talk about our resource guide, products and services that we love that we've gone and got a discount for you guys so that you can enjoy them too. Betterhelp.com, you've heard us say it before, but seriously, this is the time to take some time for you and ta- find somebody perfectly matched to talk to, betterhelp.com provides you with online therapy. It's cheaper than traditional therapy. They take insurance. It's confidential. Now is the time to talk about all the compounding effects that this whole world has on us right now. We're talking about kids. We're talking about work. We're talking about all of the social economic changes that are happening. So for you to get 10% off of your first month, go to betterhelp.com forward slash notyourmothers and enter the code notyourmothers. Truly game changer. Next, we're talking about ready, set food. If you have a small child, I'm talking four to 11-month-old baby, and it's time for you to start introducing peanut butter and other highly allergic foods, this product takes the guesswork out. It's designed by a mom, allergist mom, to help parents with this. It has shown that you want to expose your child continuously and consistently to highly allergic foods. This is a powder that you put into the milk or you put into their food consistently for the first couple of months and help them so they they don't develop allergies later on. So you can get 30% off your first month at Ready, Set, Food by going to readysetfood.com and entering the code, NotYourMothers. We're so excited about this. Okay. Also, Monty Kids, we have a bigger and better discount for you. It's $60 code. N-Y-M-P, so that's not your mother's podcast, to get $60 off Kids, which is a Montessori toy subscription company. They deliver wooden toys right to your door that are beautiful for display and help promote your child's learning on so many different levels. We're talking about social, language, motor, cognitive, all of these takes the guesswork out, especially during this time where your kids are home. Go to montekids.com and enter the code MOTHERS to get that $60 off and we're back. So in closing, can I ask you each like what your favorite book is? If you have a favorite children's book that you love to read with your child and we'll wrap up with that. Oh, I have to think about that. For <laughs> <laughs> or just one between the two of you. I don't know, just, I guess I thought maybe that there would be one that, you know, sharing books around this idea that these lessons that you're teaching them or these skills that you're giving your children. I didn't know if there were some books that you love to read with them around that.
0: Yeah, definitely. We a couple of seasons ago we interviewed Teresa Thorne, who's podcaster and author. I mean, she hosts One Bad Mother a podcast. But she wrote this amazing kids book called It Feels It Feels Good to Be Yourself. And it's one of our kids' favorite ones, and it really just helps kids explore this topic of gender identity and really just personal identity in general. It's a beautiful story that kind of weaves through lots of different families and lots of different people, and is based on her daughter Grace, who's uh, gender nonconforming and and went from a boy to identifying as a girl. Mm -hmm.
1: Wow, beautiful. Well, thank you so much. This gift is fantastic, and was just. Beautiful conversation, and we can't wait to stay in touch with you guys on the internet and on Instagram. So tell us again for all of our listeners where we can find you.
0: Yeah, you can find us at upbringing.co and you can tune into our podcast there. Check out our shop. We have lots of guides on sibling conflict, big feelings, resistance, which is also so pertinent to the conversation we had today. Oh, and we forgot to offer 20% off to your listeners too in our shop with the code friend. So we wanted to add that in there too. That's great. elements of respect, which is a a big, beautiful poster that has a lot of that phrasing that I think we all need the inspiration for sometimes when we're moving through challenges with our kids. And we have a lot of, we're also on Instagram at upbringing.co where we do a lot of videos that talk about all of these topics and beyond and where we're building community. And we're just really grateful to have met you and to be connecting with your community Mm -hmm. and hope our community will find you guys as well.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
2: Wow, that was a really insightful conversation.
1: Yeah, I really love how they kind of spell it out literally, <laughs> most of what I was right. for. <laughs> <laughs> to help, you know, figure out how to move through like these you might do some of those steps already naturally, but to really like hit those different steps and to give permission to like it's okay to summarize at the end and it's okay to innovate. And it's also okay to be like, okay, we tried everything and we still need to get into the car. So as lovingly as I can, I still need to help you get there. Right. Yeah. Just a lot of permission.
2: Yeah. And a lot of like understanding that there's a lot of moving parts to this. And I just loved how they were able to give you those components of like what an ideal situation of like having a seat at the table for your child looks Mm -hmm, like. But mm -hmm. in reality, it's like you're not going to always get it. But the whole point is like to practice it because that's what's going to have it be ingrained in you. And then it'll become the inner dialogue of your child if you just continue, if you continuously talk like that. And then, you know, once we have the sex positive family on our podcast, we can go in deeper about like what that looks like when it comes to like sexual situations because, you know, like whole like pedophilia and is all like up in the forefront of society right now. So it's important to also like see how that translates into that sort of situation.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for that too. Right. And I love their freebie. So make sure to grab that with all those freedoms. That's going to be amazing. Okay. Bye.